I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Get used to the mantra, all gas, no break. Welcome back, everybody, to the Turn of the Jets podcast. I'm your host, Will Parkinson, at WillPaw11 on Twitter. I'm honored to be joined today by Janae Coakley of SNY, at Janae Coakley on Twitter. How's everything going today? I'm doing awesome. Thanks so much for having me. We're really excited to have you on. Um, a lot of, you know, exciting time in Jets land, just from a lot of, <laughs> a lot of possibilities of, um, you know, optimism and, and things with the amount of money they have to spend, as well as in a premium position, you know, premium position they are to draft at two as well as some of the you know picks they have coming down the line um in terms of you know we'll get right into you know the nitty-gritty of you know at quarterback at two or you know run it back with sam and stuff like that where do you stand on um what you'd like to see the jets do and then maybe what you think realistically actually happens well i'm a huge sam darnold fan i think that he has all the potential i think he has what it takes to be a quarterback in new york i just think he needs to be surrounded by the right people. And I think he hasn't been able to the last three years. I, I think sticking with Sam Darnold is your best bet. I mean, yes, I get it. You get this, you have the second pick, you have the 23rd pick, you have the 34th pick. You can do a lot of stuff with those picks. And you have someone in Sam Darnold who has all the capability of say a, a Zach Wilson. You don't know what Zach Wilson is. You just know what he is in college. You see, you've seen glimmer of hope with Sam Darnold Again, if you were going to get Trevor Lawrence, then yeah, I don't think Sam should have been in New York, but you didn't get Trevor Lawrence. You have Sam and you have draft picks. So stick with Sam. I think he's a great guy. Again, I love Sam Darnold. I think he not only has all the physical attributes to be in New York, but I also think he has the mental attributes to be in New York because he's shown that over and over again. Yeah, I tend like I was far tend to agree with you. And I know like maybe I'm being unrealistic and things like that, but at the same time, I think the Trevor Lawrence thing made a lot of sense to me. It's just like, like you can reset the QB clock with um, a guy who's one of the arguably three or four best prospects ever in terms of the quarterback position. I'd argue maybe he's the best one ever if guys, you know, since maybe John Elway. But um, it's just, it's interesting to see the difference in takes from people. Um, it feels like everyone that works in the NFL or covers the NFL like pretty heavily likes Sam a lot more than the fans do at this point. I know Mark Sanchez made the point the other day that, oh, you know, I don't know if Sam really wants to be here, which I don't buy necessarily. I don't think he's built like that. And if he was, I think he would have made it pretty clear he doesn't want to be here. So um, if the Jets were to go not in terms, you know, they don't stick it, stick with Sam 
is there one of the rookie quarterbacks, you know, the guys in the draft you like better than others? Like, do you like Justin Fields more? Zach Wilson, do you kind of have a take on that? I don't really have a take. I think I probably would go with the Zach Wilson because I think he fits, you know, LaFleur's offensive scheme a little better. But if you're not going to go with Sam and you're, you want a new, another quarterback, then I'm going and like betting the farm on a guy I already know like a Deshaun Watson, like I have the draft, I'm going to do that. And I'm just going to go with a guy I know and I can trust if I'm going to get rid of Sam Darnold. So I don't trust any of these guys in the quarter in the drafts, except the Trevor Lawrence, but we don't have Trevor Lawrence or the Jets don't have Trevor Lawrence. So to me, if we're changing in the quarterback situation, then you're going to get me a veteran and a guy I know can play this game. Yeah, I really, um, I'd love But that's not happening. I don't think I'd love to see Deshaun Watson here. I don't know that's realistic. (laughs) Joe Douglas, you know better than anybody. Joe Douglas has talked about over and over again, built through the draft. And yeah, I I, I mentioned this on uh, maybe a pod or two ago that it was like, oh, would you rather take, you know, the Jets first and second round picks the next two years and trade it for Deshaun? Like, would you rather have Jay Samaro and Calvin Pryor and a couple of guys like that? But you would hope that that was just bad drafting at that point. And now Joe Douglas, who seems to have hit on it, at least back then, and it looks like Mims could be a really good player. Now it makes it a little bit more difficult to part with three, four first-round picks and things like that. 100% agree. Like you said, he Makai Becton, I think, is going to be a stud. You get to use that second pick to get another alignment. That Sewell guy, I think, out of mm-hmm. Oregon. Still 20, Washington. still 20 years old, by the exactly. way. Exactly. You, you get an O-line and then you get a running back. You get a, you go after an Al Robinson in free agency because you have that kind of pick. You get weapons around Sam. He can do, look what Mark Sanchez did. My first year here was the second year the Jets made the AFC championship with Mark Sanchez. Ground and pound, ground and pound. Look what they did with Mark. And I feel Sam Darnold has more abilities than Mark. I totally agree. I think if Sam's on that team, I think from they probably almost – I still think they made great weight. They Maybe. should have won, though. They should have gone to the Super Bowl that year, was, yes. 2010 was probably the best. I was four years old in 19 or five years old in 1998. So, like, I was just, like, happy because you're a five-year-old watching football. Whereas 2010, I was like, this is probably the best Jets team of the last 25 years-ish, maybe. Like I said, 98 in those two teams. But, no, I agree with you. I think the same thing's difficult, and I know it's not going to be – it's not the way this, if it ends this way, it's not the way it ever, I don't think anyone wanted it to end. And, um, but yeah, I, I would bet the farm on Deshaun Watson. I've said this over and over again. I, he's an elite, elite level football player. He's a really good person. I think he'd be a star in New York. It's, he's already a star in Houston on a bad team. I think you want to have someone at rival Mahomes for the next 10 to 15 years. I think he's the guy to do so. Um, and if he's in New York, it'd be pretty cool. <laughs> I'm sure it'd be exciting for, from your perspective, to be able to talk about a, you know, just like a 25 year old stud, you know, top five guy, but we'll it's see what's happening. Yeah. I don't think it's happening. It's no. happening either. Like you said, Joe Douglas is building through the draft and I trust Joe. Yeah. Like they have all you these draft picks. reason not to yet. Like exactly. So I, it's, it's tough to show things just difficult because it's like, all the signs point to the Jets could happen if they wanted to. Um, but from people that like one of my friends works with him um, from a business perspective and he's like, I don't know that that's realistic. I think it's more realistic. He ends up in Miami just based on he's a Southern kid. And from a tax perspective, I think anybody <laughs> making that much money to <laughs> you know, leave. I think it was like people calculated like $16 million. He'd pay extra in taxes, mm. in New York, which yeah. I don't know what $16 million looks like, but it's, no. 
seems pretty crazy. <laughs> it's a uh, lot of paying in taxes. Yeah, it's a lot of money. But no, from the from not from a non-quarterback position, uh, you know, perspective, where do you see the Jets ideally spending some of that money in free agency? Do you think it'll be more on the line? Do you think it'll be maybe a try to make a big play at uh, defensive guy? Where do you come see them, you know, shaking out there? Well, they have a lot of holes. They need a lot. I mean, they need a, a playmaker. You need a wide receiver. You need a running back. You need, you know, that pass rush. You need O line. You need linebackers. You need cornerbacks. I think they can't really necessarily go wrong. Name the whole roster. Pretty much, exactly. That name the whole roster. <laughs> I don't think. I think you go to free agency. You get like an Allen Robinson. You get look what Rex Ryan did when he came in. He brought in a Bart Scott. He brought in, you know, Jim Leonard. He brought in guys who knew his defense, who could control that defense and then worked around that way. I see kind of Robert Solid doing the same thing, like bringing in some guys that know him, that have that leadership ability, but also some studs and some stars. You know, I, a Richard Sherman, I know people have thrown that name out. Why not bring a guy like that in? I know he was not Richard Sherman of 2014 with the Legion of Boom, but it's, he's a leader and he understands you know, that yes. out of his way a lot to talk about Robert Saul in New York to not be interested like he's gone on the um with Chris Collinsworth multiple times and keeps talking about how great New York is and the mm -hmm. Jets and over and over like I don't think you do that unless you're either teasing Jets fans which would suck obviously but um I just I see him as being a very realistic name as well um at least from a veteran perspective so do I. he can control that defense and like I said I just think I, I mentioned Alan Robinson before. I think he's a big name. He's a big free agent. He wants to be in New York. He's made it several times. The Jets have the money. Get guys like that for Sam Darnold. Get a guy who can surround, you know, give him someone to throw to. Yeah, I, I just, I'd like to not have to deal with like, oh, if all these guys are healthy, maybe they're an um, average receiving core. It's last year, it's like, oh, if everyone's great and Mims is an elite rookie and Perryman's like, what we hope he was for six games in Tampa Bay. I was a little disappointed with, you know, um, him as a whole. And, and Jameson Crowder is a really solid NFL player. I don't think he's, he's not number one. Yeah, I think he's a little overvalued just because there's not much else there. Um, but it'll be interesting to see. I'd like to see them just address a one as much heavily as possible. I think Joe Tooney is the guy in New England. I would overpay yep. for, quite mm -hmm. frankly. Corey Lindsley, if he doesn't, if he gets moved on from Green Bay, he knows that system. Um, if you have a great all line, it doesn't really matter. Like you can yep. be running back and rush for a thousand yards in that offense. Yep. Nick Mangold, the Brickershaw Ferguson, um, Alan Fanica. Um, Damon Woody. Me, yeah, me, uh, Damon Woody, yeah. uh, Brandon Moore. Come on. Yeah, that was great. And like they made two AFC title games, um, mm -hmm. you know, like that. I guess kind of we can segue into a, kind of something fun. I was curious who your favorite, maybe like two or three. Uh, players to cover and then who your oh. coach has been to cover I know it's tough you don't have to it's tough to narrow it down but it's just the Jets or because I was with Indianapolis before uh you could do Indy and then the Jets you can name a couple ones I guess oh see top five guys well I gotta go with Bart Scott because he's like literally like my favorite person like he was awesome Dustin Keller was fantastic very underrated Jet all time yes very I love Avery Williamson um Gosh, there's so many. Damian Woody was, oh, Bray, Braylon Edwards. Loved Braylon Edwards. Um, it's so funny because everybody's like, tonight, everybody's your favorite after you do an interview with them. And that's actually a true statement. Like Leonard Williams, I adore him. Um, 
God. And then in Indianapolis, oh, huge Dwight Freeney. He was fantastic. Robert Mathis. I met the, I met Robert Mathis and Dwight Freeney one time when I was a kid at a camp. Like Robert Mathis used to have a football camp, and I met them. Underratedly, really nice people. Oh, Didn't they're fantastic. Just because, like, just a kid. I was just a kid at the time. Yeah. Dallas Clark, love Dallas. Um, oh, Mike Devito, Sione Buha. Oh. See, like, those are a lot of names. There's been a lot of really good people that frankly been on the Jets that I sometimes think people forget about because even if the team hasn't been as good, especially the last decade, mm -hmm. but from like 98 through 2010, I guess, which is kind of unfortunate for the timing of year. Yeah. But, uh, they were they made the playoffs more years than they didn't, and like, I was pretty, I don't know, they were pretty impressive. Like, I think yeah. I love. Mark Sanchez, I have a special oh, well, Mark, yeah. The only thing that's we're kind of going back, but Zach Wilson that scares me a little bit with Zach Wilson is guys that come to New York and want to be stars before they've like earned it sometimes scare me a little. And I think I don't think it hurt Mark necessarily, but Mark's like this big personality. He's a super handsome dude. Like he was like out, he's very LA. Um, and I think I get a little nervous with the headband and the whole like mormon mahomes thing i think that scares me a little bit of just like sam's like a heads down like doesn't get himself that's I mean, why i said sam mentally is built for new york no, like he yeah, just he gets it like he's just he reminds me of an eli manning personality wise like okay like he doesn't he's steady the boss and things like that like mm -hmm. like i said I, I know just fans are gonna get pissed whenever i say like I'm, I defend Sam, but it's not even that I'm like defending him. I just I'm not gonna crap on yeah, him. But Jets fans won't be mad three years from now when they're back when he's around, you know, a good system, good players, and he's doing what he should be doing. I agree. How is it covering like the different personalities of coaches that you've kind of had walk through, you know, one Jets drive? Whether it's obviously a Rex who's he started with, and then you people like. Todd Bowles, who's a very quiet, reserved guy, but everyone speaks so highly of just from a, that gets to know him. I mean, I've never spoken to him, so I can't, <laughs> I can only hear it through the media, but where a guy like Adam Gase, who it's, you know, difficult to kind of get a read on his, um, how people. It's, it's fun. I mean, it's, like I said, I came from Indianapolis. So I had my first NFL coach was Tony Dungy, who was hands down one of the nicest people I've ever met in my life like he never yelled he was just very calming very his players would run through a brick wall for him like didn't I mean just adored him then I had Jim Caldwell who was very similar to Tony Dungy to this day if I run into Jim Caldwell I was with him for one year he'll say hello Janae how are you how's your family like just remembers your name looks you in the eye like then I went to Rex An adult Yes, exactly. And then I had Rex and he was fantastic, like funny. I mean, media's dream, right? Like fantastic. So super. We used to have this thing where I interview him every Monday and I always had to stand on the right side. And if we lost, I had to switch sides because it was, he was such like a um, superstitious guy. He was fantastic. Just awesome, fun guy, complete opposite of Tony Dungy but his players would still run through a brick wall for him. So you have to get the right players per coach. Todd Bowles, probably one of my favorite guys, favorite people of all time, like just the nicest, awesome, like had the best personality. Like if you knew who he was, like not at the podium, 
like I hate it when people were like, "Oh, we need to show his personality more." Why? Like, no, it's, it's not, who he is. It's not for you. Like, if you had great personality and lost, it doesn't matter. Exactly. Look at Bill Belichick. No one's telling him he needs to see his personality. I mean, if Todd would have won here, it would have been a different story. And then Adam was Adam. I wasn't as you know particularly close to them as I was, but they all love football. You know, they all every coach wants to win. And every I, my husband's a coach, so to me, like I always get. I don't know. I'm a little angry when people start like. We have one story we'll talk about after about. Okay, like I just feel like when people are like they they get paid lots of money, that I'm like, who cares? Like they don't want to lose. I see the work that goes into their job. I know they watch film. I know I'm not saying I go. Hmm, how can we lose today? Like, come on, guys. Yeah, no, I I agree. I think it's been interesting. Like those are such a diverse. um, You've been able to cover such a diverse names people backgrounds like they're all such different guys in so many different respects and i think that's what i'm really excited about with robert salas he's yes. a little bit of he gives me a little bit of like the confidence rex has but it, it wasn't the confidence like outwardly where he's gonna say kind of crazy stuff but he just, we're gonna win championships yeah, gonna i win can't win. give a timetable but we're gonna win championships was, rex. no one really talked about that at all exactly rex is like we're winning championships tomorrow well, to kiss rings yeah exactly I know I had Bob Labber on last week and he was like, I've never had to work less hard for a quote in my life. Like not like, <laughs> that way. He was like, I, this guy gave me quotes. Like I've never believed <laughs> yeah. flew out of his mouth. I'm not here to kiss Rin. Yep. No, but I think it'll be interesting to see what Robert Sala does just because everything you hear about some of the people that have played for him everywhere he's gone. I know we mentioned Richard Sherman is one guy, but all these people have just talked so highly of him mm-hmm. from a character perspective. The 9-11 story told about his brother was really interesting, I found. Um, yeah, I think he said, he made, I don't know which station he was on talking about it, but how he wanted to be in New York. Peter Schrager said multiple times now, like, that the Jets were his number one destination. And as a Jets fan, like, my whole life and just somebody that played football my whole life, when someone says they want to be here and, like, they want to coach you, it's such a, like, a refreshing, great, I just think it's a great thing to hear. Mm-hmm. I think it was good because where he started, he became a coach because this is what he wanted to do. And he worked, he's been working his way up for like 19, 18 years to get to where he's at. So plus he's married to a woman who is expecting her seventh kid. So he's, you know, married to a badass, excuse yeah, my language. Oh, I think it's awesome too. I, I think it's something that he talked about. Um, he talked about he was on Rich Eisen show and he was like, I like, don't think you guys really, like, how much I love being a parent, how much, like, all that type of stuff, and, like, that, those type of human moments from guys, and it's not an anti-Adam Gase thing in any way, it's just, it's, no, yeah. it's interesting to go from somebody that was so football all the time, and not that Robert Sell is not, but it's nice to hear these refreshing quotes about, like, he does listen to things that are going on, he does, <laughs> uh, hi, buddy, and then go lay down, he doesn't kind of, um, you know, I don't know how to, I don't know how to phrase it properly, but he's, he's just like a human being to, at some mm-hmm. extent. He feels like he's an adult in the room and Joe Douglas feels the same. How's it been kind of, um, you know, the first, I guess, maybe 18 months to 24 months or whatever, pre-COVID, how is Joe Douglas kind of being able to speak with him and things like that? Is he, how, does he feel like he's a bigger personality than he lets on? Yeah. And he's genuine. You know how you can just feel when you're around somebody like this guy's like, you know, a genuine dude. Like, you just feel that way about Joe. Um, same way about to- when Todd Bowles was around. Like, I don't know if, like, Todd gave everybody in the building, like, a Christmas gift. 
down from like the people who like clean the building all the way up. Like that's just the type of person. Everybody knew his name. He knew everybody's name. I feel like Joe's kind of that same way. Like just a genuinely good guy. Like just, I'm not, and I'm not knocking anybody else. I'm saying that's how I get, that's how my feeling of Joe Douglas, like he's just a nice guy. And I really enjoy talking to him, like genuinely, you know, enjoy talking football. I think he loves football. And like I said, he, he started from the bottom, worked his way up too. So I think that makes a difference too. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yeah, no, I agree. I think it's all a product of your environment. Um, a little bit with Robert Sala and Joe Douglas as a whole. I think it's really impressive that they're both guys from, you know, you look at Sala from, you know, working his way up, like you mentioned, he wanted to be a coach, but then he's working under Pete Carroll. He's working under Kyle Shannon. He's working under these guys that are proven football lifers in, in some senses. And then Joe Douglas, the same, you know, you come from Nazi Newsome and um, mm-hmm. background, things like that. And these guys are pretty successful and there's a reason the Ravens are relevant every year and the Eagles for the most part have been relevant. Um, you know, and I think they've gotten honestly quite frankly got worse from a roster building perspective, <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I just, I, from, it'll be interesting to see what happens obviously. And um, you know, who they are able to sign and who, you know, who's under center at quarterbacks, obviously a big deal, but kind of wanted to, you know, transition a little bit into some of your background um, as being, you know, a woman in sports and a woman in football more specifically if you don't kind of want to walk us through a little bit of your journey and, and how you've been able to, you know, be obviously very successful in, in your role and, um, you know, be able to have people really like want to hear, like they don't look at you as just a woman in sports who just, she knows her stuff. Well, I appreciate that. That's the most important thing because I want to be a girl, a woman who knows sports and loves sports. Um, I was tomboy. Grew up with, um, I'm one of five kids. I had an older brother, younger brother, and then two identical twin sisters that were born like eight years after my parents. We joked that I had a midlife crisis. My father was a football coach. My mother was a physical education teacher. So sports are really important in our lives. Um, we did everything from skiing to swimming to football, soccer, softball. I was an all-state athlete in volleyball, softball, and soccer. Huh? I said a little humble brag there. You know, have to, have to. I can play ball, Um, especially since I married, you know, Scott, who was the first athlete to ever be drafted in the first round of two professional sports. So he likes to say he's the athlete in the family, but, you know, I backtrack. I completely got off topic. So let's go back to me. (laughs) Um, And then I just, I was recruited to play um, volleyball um, at Colgate and then softball at St. John's. And I just was like, I don't have it in me. I don't love the sport enough to be an athlete in college. So I'm like, what can I do 
that, you know, I can still be in sports and like, Hmm, I can get paid to talk, watch and talk sports. So then that's how my broadcast journalism career started. I went to school at Quinnipiac University, graduated with communications major, interned at WTNH under John Pearson, got to cover UConn women's basketball team. That was with Sue Bird, Shea Ralph, like. Very nasty. Diana Taurasi. Oh, it was awesome. Mm-hmm. So I got to cover them. And then my first job out of college was in Billings, Montana. I wasn't even on air. I was a producer. So that way I got to learn like how it all works. Like. I got to shoot my own, I got to shoot the sports. I got to learn how to shoot baseball and golf and rodeo. And I got to tell like amazing stories. And then I had to work my way on the camera and then got to Yuma, Arizona, where I became the sports director. And again, I got to shoot everything. I love Friday football. Like I just would be writing highlights on my hands. And like, I just couldn't get enough of it. I love watching it. I loved, you know, meeting these crazy athletes, telling like stories of like, you know, a 90 year old woman who runs marathons and then got to Indianapolis and where that's where I kind of like became like, this is really cool. Like, you know, I got to cover the Colts basketball, football. I mean, basketball is huge there, high school, basketball, football. And I also got to work with the producer and the photographer. So my only job was to worry about telling a story. And at first I was really intimidated to go into a locker room, a professional locker room. That was the first time I've ever been in there. And I was like, Oh my gosh. And but the guys were fantastic. The players were great. The other reporters were great. And I learned that the people who are really good at their job are willing to share it with you. So like a rich Nye, like he's been there, he's there for, he like took me aside and like, well, tell me, cheer do do this or do like Chris Woodlick, Chris Hagen, like Anthony Calhoun, like they're all so kind to me and so like helped me out. And, and then when I got to New York, I was a little, you know, oh my gosh, like I have to be like, better than everybody else. Like, oh my gosh, it's New York. But then I realized like, I kind of came into my own work. I can just tell my stories. I don't have to be the stat girl. I don't have to be this. I just have to be good at what I can do. I don't, can't compare myself to anybody else or anybody else's journey. Like I, and I think the, the best compliment I get is like, I Rex Ryan actually is like, man, you get people to do the craziest things. Like, because I generally want to know questions like, wait, what's the craziest thing that's ever happened to you? Or like, you know, Chris Herndon, I found out he had six fingers, like Todd Bowles sang for me. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like just random things because I generally people enjoy that. People, I think at the end of the day, it's something that I've noticed is like, if you're a genuine person, people will respond to you and people will want to work with you. And it has nothing to do with girl, boy. Exactly. And everybody's like, well, don't you get uncomfortable in your locker room? Well, I, I don't like being in any locker room, whether it be a woman's locker room, a men's locker room, like, but to me, like everybody should be uncomfortable. Like a man should be just as uncomfortable as I am. And I always made it a point where I don't go up to a guy if he's still in a towel. Like that's just to me, disrespectful almost. Like I know other people do it and that's fine. But for me, I made it a rule that I will never go up to a man who's getting dressed or woman getting dressed for that case. Like, so, and I've never really had, like I said, people, I've always been, athletes have been very respectful of me. I've been really respectful of them. I had two brothers, I think, maybe I'm a tomboy. Like, I, I don't, you know. It just doesn't, like, it's not the same. It's not, you're used to, you're just, you, when you grow up with brothers and, and things like that, you have that type of atmosphere. And, and just, I got thick skin. So it's like, whatever, like, really? Like, yeah. It's no, I, I think it's super, it's super interesting. And that's one of those things that I think is underrated. If, if you just 
if you're an adult about things and people, if like you give no, you give people no room to be, I mean, people be people, I guess, in some aspects. Exactly. I mean, right. it is what it is. Yeah. But at the end of the day, if it doesn't, if you're able to do your job well, no matter who you are, I think people respond to that. And it's it just, it's interesting to see um, just the perspective of people that, you know, whether you're a woman, a man, it doesn't matter. Do you know your stuff? I think people yeah. just, that's what they care most about. And obviously there's always the outliers. And like I said, that's normal, but yeah. you know, your things, I, I just don't, who cares? <laughs> like, just, yeah. And, and again, I've been, I've been blessed. I've been very grateful to be surrounded by men that haven't been intimidated by me or that have helped me out. Like I've been surrounded. I've been very fortunate in my career these last 20 years to never, because I do know women who have been put in awkward situations and have been, but thankfully for me, I've never had to be in a situation because everybody I've ever been around has been for the most part. I mean, you have, like you said, one or two guys, but for the most part, they've been awesome. Yeah, no, I, it's, I think it's super interesting. And I think, um, I just, I just wanted to kind of, you know, cover that a little bit because I think it's, I don't think people talk about it enough, but, um, you know, I know you mentioned this before, but I think if people, don't know who your husband is i think it's interesting based on i know i probably had to talk about this a lot over the summer with the last dance but i'm sure it got brought up once or twice but um is it who do you think people recognize more if you guys are walking in the street do you think people still recognize him more you think that i think you might give him a run for your money i don't know where are we are we in the state of connecticut or are we in new jersey or new york let's go New York City on a random Wednesday like if you're walking down the street together no one's recognizing any of us either of us but it's probably me more than a Jets fan will recognize me there you go I feel like you win that you're a better athlete yeah. and any more I agree but he when we're in Connecticut you know that UConn thing and he's 6'8 he stands out a little bit but just a little bit I think maybe over the summer maybe it's a little different with the uh, last dance some of the MJ stuff and whatever but I don't know. I think that no offense, I think that was fair game. I think you knew he knew he was on camera, so I can't. Oh yeah, he. Want to hear fun, so want to hear a funny story? So when we first started dating, he actually had the DVD of his part in the. So he I knew it came out like. I remember this was like ESPN has been working with this for a long years. time. So like well, put, what was it? Twenty years? Twenty one years? Yeah. So I saw it. Like he had his DVD like ten years ago. Like he said so. But anyways. Um, he loves Michael, like Michael and Michael's a reference on Scott's resume. So Scott just turned 50. I know, right? <laughs> so we, um, so Scott just turned 50 in January. And so I put together this birthday video for him where like, it was like a sports cast and like, I had tons of people like, like from his past, which meant the birthday. Like I got Steve Kerr, I got Muggsy, I got like Ray, Allen, a um, bunch of like people like Jim Calhoun, like just a bunch of, I'm like, oh, I need to get Michael. I need to get Michael. Like, how am I going to get, and like one of his friends, Donnie Marshall was like, you got to get Michael to get, I'm like, I know, but how am I going to get access to Michael? Like, so I had asked like a couple of the guys like, Hey, any chance you can ask Michael? Like, didn't get it. So but like right after Christmas, I'm like, I have to get Michael. So like I said, Scott, I have Michael's number because it's on Scott's resume and I do his resumes for him. So I'm like, let me just text him real quick. Like, and this was the same week I was texting with Al Toon and Ken O'Brien to do like my co-pilot series. So I'm like, what, what do I have to lose? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like if Al Toon can write me back and have no clue who I am, like Michael Jordan can, right? So I write Michael Jordan. I'm like, hey, 
hey, Michael, this is Janae Coakley, um, Scott Burrell's wife. I'm doing this piece for him. Any chance I can get like a 10, 15 second birthday wish from you? Da, da, da. I got your number through a thing. He'd kill me if he knows I'm texting you. Like, so I sent it and remember I put my phone down. I'm like, okay, I have a week to get back to me. Like, what's the worst that can happen? He texted me back in five minutes and was, cool. yeah, and was like, no problem. What do you need? When do you need it? I was like, oh my God, Michael Jordan and I are best friends right now. Like we are BFFs. Like we were texting. Yeah, I'm like, hey, I actually, uh, I know Michael Jordan's fun. <laughs> yeah. So I, I wrote back, I'm like, oh my God, that's awesome. Like his birthday is January 12th, but whenever you get it to me, awesome, great. He's like, not a problem. Um, do you want me to send it th to this number or somewhere? I'm like, this number is fine. You can definitely save my number in your phone. Exactly. J-E-A-N-E. -E. You can call me Gene. You can call me anything you want. Michael. Get me signed jerseys laying around. Exactly. Feel free. So he literally wrote, like, sent me a video, like a 20-minute video, a 20-second video saying, hey, um, Scotty, this is the only person in the video that says, hey, Scotty, this is Michael Jordan call, um, wanting to wish you a happy birthday. I know a lot of people think you would think very different, but you were actually one of my favorite players. You're like one of my favorite teammates. You're awesome. I can't wait to play golf with you. Like, hope you have a great day. Come down soon. Let's play. I'm like, oh my God, Michael Jordan and I are best friends. We're oh, best friends and everyone, everyone doesn't. And he's like, super, he's like, let me know if that's okay. If you need more, I want to be like, well, actually, could you shot it horizontally and not on your yacht? Like, can you also <laughs> send me a birthday one when it's my birthday? I know. So it's like actually funny because of the way the video, like it was supposed to be like Scott was, the guy was picked on, but he loved Michael Jordan and loved the fact that Michael challenged him and wanted to make him a better player. He's like, why would you not want that? He's like, to be honest with you, Jim Calhoun was harder on me than Michael was. Uh, I, I met Jim Calhoun when I was a kid. I used to go to the basketball camp all the time. And like, I just, it's interesting. Yeah, first of all, it's just interesting when you see some of these players that um, everyone's been around really intense people, really laid back people. And I, I think it's okay sometimes to not be like perfect in terms of the way Michael was or his leadership style or and things like that like I think it's okay but it worked but it that works. leadership style worked all right it worked it wasn't yeah, a bad like thing. I won a championship what did you want me to do like yeah like, like I loved it always been kind of you kind of some people love them some people exactly them and, but they combined on 11 titles I'm pretty sure it was okay yes. it it's just like what we talked about earlier you have a coach like some players respond better to a Tony Dungy some players respond better to a Rex Ryan. You've got to get those players on that roster. And once you get that mix, there you go. Yeah, no, I think it's super interesting. I just, I, I wanted to bring up the story. I didn't know if some people <laughs> know it, but, um, you know, we kind of were comparing, you know, athletes of, you know, who is a better athlete, you or your husband. You've run a couple of marathons, right? So how challenging out of 10, A, is a marathon? And B, do you think it's harder to be, like a world-class run this is really i'm catching off guard here would it be hard to be a world-class runner at like a marathon level or do you think playing the nba it was harder i'm so saying it's a world-class runner to be me um, uh i've run four full marathons and like 14 halves um anybody who can run 26.2 miles not a lot of people can say that then again not a lot of people can say they won an nba championship but I've run, I've run more marathons than he's run championships. Is that? That's fair. I think that's, that's the most politically correct, but also like 
That was no, that was good. That's totally and but the best athlete in our house will 13.1 or the 26, just because I feel like the difference of pace 26.2. That, that yeah. point two is really important. The worst part, obviously, is that yes, yes. Is it hard? Was it harder? Like my mom's done a couple of um like half Ironmans and things like that. So oh gosh, um, Ironman's amazing. Yeah, she said the run was the worst part. Um, is it just I know there's like Obviously, 26.2 is double the amount of length, but I feel like your pace would be different, right? The way you- Oh, for sure. For sure. I haven't run a full 10 years, maybe. And I don't think I, my body will not let me run another full. Um, I didn't really train for it, to be honest with you. Like my first one, I ran in Montana and we, we were running like 40 miles, 50, 60 miles a week. It was stupid. Like we'd run like 12, 13. I know he's like peeking through right now. Um, I'll be done in two seconds, buddy. And, um, it's just hard, but the half marathon, you're like, oh, wait, I've done this before. Like your body just kind of remembers it. So that makes sense. I, I'm, I'm not sure my, my dad's trying to get me to run one. I'm not sure. I'm you gonna, should do it just I'll, once. I'll get, I'll get there eventually. <laughs> right now. <laughs> you I'm, can do it. Yeah, no, it'll be, it'll be, hopefully I can get one in, but it'll be interesting. I just, I was curious because I saw that and like, I know you've, you posted some videos like box jumping, stuff like that. It's it impressive stuff. I feel like. Well, you, I know, right? All the credit. But I will give you, I will tell you this, the best athlete in our house is not Scott or myself. It would be this guy right here, my our four-year-old. What, is, what sport do you think is he going to be a basketball guy or can we get it? Um, well, so Coakley walked at seven months, um, rode a two-wheeler at two and a half years old. And I know every parent's like your kid, but this kid's like crazy. He's super tall. We just put him on skis this year. And it just flies down the mountain. So we actually think he's going to be like an extreme sport, like BMX, snowboarding. Be pretty. I don't know. I skiing's tough. I, people said it's really easy. Like, I don't know. I. It's easy when you're four and you don't rem- know how dangerous it can be. Struggled so badly. I went like a couple weeks ago, and my girlfriend skis and stuff like that, and she's like going down this the hill super easy and whatever, and it's like a bunny hill, and I'm literally wiping out. I went. <laughs> It's so embarrassing. Yeah, but you're older and you know, like, this probably isn't, if I fall, I could really hurt myself. Like a four-year-old, like. (laughs) This is, so we were about to go down. I'm just doing like the little training slopes. I've never gone skis before. All of a sudden, this guy's getting wheeled down. And like, he's screaming in pain. It's, oh, my leg, my leg. I've broken my leg before. So I'm like, all of a sudden, I was super confident and my confidence is shot. And then I go down the mountain, I'm like, doing fine halfway down i just go flying to a ditch i'm like nope oh, i literally walked down the rest of the hill i literally got so mad i've never been... do the, the pizza I, the pizza the snow plow there's no stopping me I, <laughs> I picked up speed on like 240 pounds i was going yeah it's so much fun but we finally i haven't skied in 20 years never thought i would ski again and then coakley decides you know what i want to let's try i'm like all right yeah, let's go skiing again because if we get the next uh sean white on our hands we... i don't know and it's so funny because well scott would love for him to be a golfer golfing isn't again i don't know go i'm gonna have to eventually get into golfing i'm very no, competitive people can't tell by the way i'm talking about <laughs> and i hate being bad at something and if i'm bad at golf it's gonna be i'm gonna get really frustrated and probably have to snap a club or two over my <laughs> I hate golfing I have no desire to do it I want nothing no part of it that can be daddy and his little thing yeah, yeah. and maybe uh if he wants to become a runner then you go for it but no I, 
I, uh, I appreciate obviously the time for you coming on and, um, you know, obviously make sure, you know, you can catch me on SNY and, you know, Jets pre and post and things like that. Um, and make sure to give her a follow on Twitter and Instagram at Janae Coakley. Um, but yeah, no, we really appreciate the time and hopefully we'll have, uh, you know, you'll have a little bit more exciting, a couple more exciting wins this year to cover than, uh, yes, let's get me on next year at this time. And I bet you Sam will, I bet you people think be saying, singing a different tune about Sam Darnold. I would love, I would love nothing more, but, um, you yeah, know, like I said, make sure to catch her and, and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll talk, uh, we'll talk soon once, uh, <laughs> when the Jets win start winning some games. Thank you, Will. And, um, get some lessons on skis so we can go skiing. Okay? Yeah, that'd be fun. Yeah. I'll teach you my ski. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs>